0: Big week at the Capitol, no doubt about it. First and foremost, uh, middle class tax relief plan by the Wisconsin GOP, the Wisconsin Assembly passes in the Joint Finance Committee. And at the same time, we have dueling tax plans, which are pretty much the same tax plan, except for one particular area that is vastly different between the Republicans and Governor Tony Evers' plan. We are uh, pleased to be joined this afternoon at MacGyver Newsmakers by State Representative John Nigren, co-chairman of the powerful Joint Finance Committee. Good day, sir. Thank you for having us for sure. uh, being here on the show today. Good to be with you. Now, especially given the nasty weather that we're all confronting, and you had to you have to head back home here before the ice comes. I in. got a three-hour drive that might turn into four or five or six. Well, uh, we'll be fast, so uh, <laughs> it's it's just sleety right now, but uh, it's gonna get colder. And well, welcome to Wisconsin. At least we won't be stuck in the polar vortex for the next uh, six, seven days. You know what? It's always a good day when you're able to pass a tax cut on the uh, citizen for the
1: citizens of the state of Wisconsin,
0: regardless of the weather. Absolutely. I want to I want to get to that because that's what happened on this Thursday. Um, but you had uh, put together an interesting piece in the Wisconsin State Journal a column uh, that ran earlier this week, and you were talking about the differences between the GOP plan and the governor's plan, and why it is if so important to take what has been billed as the success dividend of what's happened over the last eight years in this state, and use that surplus, that excess revenue, to pay for a middle-class tax cut, as opposed to paying for that with the help of of uh, cutting out a very popular and successful tax incentive program for manufacturers and uh, farmers. Um, and I, I think it's important. Let's talk about sure. your the, the plan from the assembly versus the governor's plan as you see it. Well, and I think, you know, historically,
1: we are in a fantastic position. Our economy uh, has been flying high. Our revenues have been up. And so our revenues have been up, by the way, uh, nearly 25 percent over the last Eight years. That's at the same time that we've cut taxes as a total by over $8 billion, uh, income and franchise taxes by nearly $4 billion. Um, Our revenue still can continue to grow, even though we are giving more and more money back to the people who actually uh, deserve it and, and, and it's their money. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, in November, we had an election where uh, Governor Walker, who has kind of led the way on the policies that put us in, in such great position, uh, was unsuccessful. Uh, Tony Evers won. One of the platforms and ideas that he threw out, I think, fairly late in the uh, in the in the campaign, as he was um, maybe struggling with his uh, how he's being perceived on taxes. He threw out a middle class tax cut, um, three hundred forty million dollar tax cut, ten percent reduction. Um, so one of the first things that after he was successfully elected, Republicans looked at it as like, okay, where are things we can actually work with Tony Evers on, um, and actually help or help follow in the line of what we've seen a successful uh, policy decisions over the years, and obviously the tax cut is one of those. Um, interestingly enough, the research that we did on what Tony Evers threw out during the campaign uh, didn't add up. Uh, the, it actually added up to, I believe, well over a billion dollars in costs, even though he claimed it would be a $340 million uh, tax cut. So we, we worked with that and we were able to work within the parameters that he set, uh, set out and still deliver uh, for the median uh, family in Wisconsin a $310 uh, tax cut per year. We think that's substantial, uh, but we're doing it by using the, as you call it, the, the dividend over the last eight years, um, not and not raising taxes on manufacturers and farmers who have helped get us to the place of prosperity. So uh, my answer, when asked by the media over the last few weeks about this uh, difference in opinion, opinion, is why mess it up? <laughs> things are flying high. Things are going well. Let's not mess it up now.
0: State Representative John Nygren joining us in this edition of uh, MacGyver Newsmakers. You know, much has been said over the last couple of weeks as we've dissected these two plans, these ideas about paying for this plan moving forward. And the argument from the Evers administration and from some members uh, of the media has been uh, you take the the one, uh, you know, the, the surplus dollars from this time around, what we found out is we've got a better situation even than we thought uh, before. You take that $2.4 billion moving forward as you get into the next budget, but eventually there will be days without... Such surpluses. And so the criticism has been what do you do down the line to secure this tax cut? At the same time, though, I think it's important to note what you just talked about. Uh, The governor's talking about uh, his concerns regarding pulling money out of surpluses, but his plan would cost taxpayers, would cost the state coffers a lot of money uh, without even dealing with the surplus.
1: So the Tony Evers plan, I mean, that just cuts the right to the chase. Our plan is a tax cut based on the, the fact that we've got a surplus and that revenues are growing. Tony Evers' plan is a tax cut by taxing someone else, uh, raising taxes on, on manufacturers and farmers, as I said, who have helped drive the economy to the point of prosperity that we see today. Um, you know, To us, that, that argument about how do you pay for it in the future, the governor will propose a budget in just a few weeks where he'll he's talking about 1.4 billion dollars for education he's talking about a lot of other spending plans i think we've calculated some of the things he's talked about so far publicly about a 2.5 billion dollar out year commitment he doesn't have he doesn't have funding for that Yet he's act, he's expecting us to say how we're going to pay for our tax cut into the future. How we're going to pay for the tax cut is how we paid for the
0: tax cuts
1: over the last eight years, and that's by growing our economy.
0: Mm-hmm. Eight billion dollars in tax cuts, you, Raven. You've said this from the very beginning. Uh, the Republican-controlled legislature, also Governor Scott Walker at the time, able to continue to do this while cutting taxes. The revenues has continued to climb. Uh, that's not the narrative that's been painted, of course, from the Democrat. I don't think. I don't think the media. It, Yourself, uh, maybe the exception,
1: has actually pointed out that this is a tax increase that he's proposing, not a tax cut. Um, You know, we are, as as we've talked about, we're in a great position, um, but we definitely need to stay on course um, why would you risk the growth in the manufacturing industry that we've seen Wisconsin last year, uh, last 12 months was number um, one in the Midwest. We can compare it to Minnesota. We can compare it to our neighbors quite a bit. Number one in the Midwest in manufacturing uh, growth, uh, number two nationally, only to Texas. Texas, obviously, a much larger state. Why? Why would we mess that up? So, um, you know, we're going to continue on the course that we're on, and because we, we think it's the it's the right call for our
0: state. I want to go back to the column that you wrote, uh, this public. Service earlier this week. The headline was, Let's Keep Wisconsin the Land of Opportunity. I love the the lead here. One year ago, the Chicago Tribune wrote an editorial, take a short drive from Chicago and you've reached the land of job opportunity. Too bad it means crossing the state line into Wisconsin. That was uh, quite an editorial from the Chicago Tribune, acknowledging that their state had all kinds of problems. It's not difficult to do. Take a look at the numbers. Are you concerned um, that we could go take some steps back. Uh, we could run from the land of opportunity to the land of uh, uh, a lot of Lincolns owed <laughs> to pension plans and what have you. So, Well, it's not. we don't have to look
1: too far. We look back eight, eight years to see what kind of policies that the Doyle administration decisions put us in a very negative position financially. We had rated pretty much every fund we could possibly imagine, whether it be the transportation fund, to the tune, I think, $1.3 billion, the patient compensation fund we owed Minnesota for reciprocity, um, you, you, we weren't paying our bills, we took it took in federal stimulus, one-time federal stimulus money to balance our budget. You know, those are things that Republicans have never done, and especially we never had the, ac- the access to one-time uh, federal resources to balance our budget, yet we've been able to turn it around. So I don't think we have too far to, to look for examples
0: of why do, we don't want to go there. State Representative John Nigrin, joining us, Republican from Marinette and co-chair of the powerful Joint Finance. Committee, let's shift topic here a little bit, Foxconn, lots of talk and lots of concern and lots of narrative building on uh, Foxconn, Um, I I think there was a communications problem um, really on the news that broke from Reuters last week, but we'll get to that in a second. What was in the Reuters story, which is so often missing from a lot of stories, or like the Reuters story, the main part of that is buried About the third graph from the bottom, and it said um, that Foxconn missed out. On millions of dollars of incentives why because they did not come through on the job creation now they did not come through on the job creation has been the point of emphasis from the mainstream media what has been relegated to the bottom of the story or not not considered at all is that that's the way the incentives contract is written they don't get the tax breaks if they don't deliver on the jobs and capital correct no, no jobs
1: no tax credits right is that's that's that simple it's the argument I, I uh, make any time tax- that I'm, I'm challenged on that. I think it was set up appropriately. Now, you know, are there dollars that have been spent if no jobs materialize in, in Southeast Wisconsin? The answer is yes, but those dollars are being spent on things such as infrastructure, our highways, which were already in line to, to be uh, improved. So, uh, yes, there's been um, state and local dollars committed to the Foxconn project. But uh, as, as you correctly point out, we built in safeguards so that if the jobs don't materialize, there's no uh, credits changing hands from the state of Wisconsin to the Foxconn
0: Corporation. Have you heard from Foxconn uh, recently? uh, Again, all of the stories coming out. Are they going to make a manufacturing plant there? Are they going to be R&D? All of these sorts of things. I I have not had any direct communications with uh, Foxconn.
1: Uh, The Speaker, being that he represents that area, I think has more uh, regular communications. I guess I look to the story uh, that was reported after President Trump got involved and made a a call to Chairman Gao. And, uh, you know, basically they reiterated their commitment to uh, uh, to the building a manufacturing facility in Wisconsin, recommitted to the 13,000 jobs. Um, you know, I, I guess I ask myself, so if, if Foxconn never happens, if, if, if the cheerleaders on the left actually get their way and nothing happens, are we in a, any different position than we were when we took the vote, you know, a year plus ago? And I, I think the answer is no. I mean, I think we're still, you know, it's our, it's a great uh, chance for us to reshape our economy, especially in Southeast Wisconsin, an area that has struggled, you uh, Look, Milwaukee opportunity for people from the inner city to be able to get good paying jobs. I think it's transformational for the economy, and especially in that particular part of the state. And I, rep- I don't represent it. I represent northern Wisconsin. Yet Foxconn has made commitments to Green Bay. They purchased a facility in Green Bay in Eau Claire. Uh, they understand that it it can't be just about southeast Wisconsin,
0: even though that's where it's going to have the biggest uh, impact. I think reasonable people should be able to see this one point: for the Democratic Party in the state of Wisconsin. And uh, the resistance left is rooting. (laughs) They're cheering cheering for the failure of Foxconn, no doubt about it. I mean, but that's lost in the discussion as well. And they're cheering against opportunity for people that they claim to represent. State Representative John Neigren joining us in this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. Uh, Just quickly on transportation, uh, this week on Monday was the final of two task force meetings, this transportation uh, stakeholders meeting. Looks like uh, the task force is leaning to uh, a five and a half cent um, increase in the the, uh, fuel tax and indexing. What do you think about those two areas of financing transportation?
1: Well, I'm not going to... not going to choose one direction over the other, but it would appear because obviously there's a long road of discussion and debate between now and when we and when when anything is actually finalized. But it would appear to me, just by by my outside um, impressions of what was going on, that it seemed to be you know it was predetermined what was going to come out of those meetings, um, and the DOT and the sec, uh, secretary designee uh, seemed to be leading the members of that uh, task force around by the nose to get the outcomes that they desired. Um, I'll tell you, as somebody from northern Wisconsin, there's been talk about a per per mile uh, fee fee people in more rural areas would be, in my opinion, uh, uh, negatively impacted by that because they have farther to drive for things such as school, groceries, you name it. Legislative um, work. Uh, legislative work. But uh, not that I would ever put myself out there as a reason not to do something per I, se, but I but yeah, uh, I, I, I believe that we can have a fair discussion. I was recently asked by the media and uh, uh, they quickly jumped on it about, you know, describe a pathway, I guess. Right. And I just. I a pathway that that followed what Scott Walker, Governor Scott Walker, had proposed about you know here we're talking about a three hundred and forty million dollar uh, tax cut for the middle class. He had said no uh, increase revenue increasers without some type of offset. Here's an opportunity for us to do this. I'm not saying that's the only pathway, but it's a potential pathway that I believe conservatives who have supported Governor Walker in the past could get behind, um, you know, and, and still address uh, transportation related issues.
0: Uh, speaking of the designee transportation sector secretary Designee Craig Thompson, concerned certainly from a number of conservatives, particularly where it's going to matter for him most in the Senate, where the confirmation process is yet to happen. I'm hearing from sources, and we already know he is in you know full secretary mode here. He's leading task forces, but I'm hearing that he's also signing off on things as a designee. Does that concern you? He's not been confirmed yet.
1: Well, um, I mean, somebody, somebody will be in charge, so if it's not Craig Thompson, I'm not sure that he, you know, wh- whoever that might be is going to be helpful to us uh, as conservatives. Um, you know, I, I, I had known Craig for a while. I like Craig. I think he's, uh, you know, he, he's knows his issues very well, but obviously he comes at it from a, you know, with a history, uh, being pro road builder, uh, no doubt about it, transportation development association. Um, I guess the question is my, uh, that I've asked my Senate colleagues, I think you have to be careful because if it's not Craig, who's next, right? <laughs> you know, um, it, it could be careful what you ask for, it could, it could get worse. So, uh, this is one of those cases where we'll defer to our Senate colleagues to, uh, to make a decision. Um, but at the end of the day, regardless whether it's Craig Thompson or someone else, we still have a huge role in the legislature of approving whatever Governor Evers and the DOT put together as far as a plan for transportation. Right.
0: All right. We know the hazards of the weather. We want to get you out of here so you can get back you know, home uh, three hours to the uh, northeast of here. So before we do that, though, we'd be remiss if we didn't do our favorite section uh, uh, segment here at MacGyver uh, Newsmakers. We Call it five fast questions. Okay. They're questions that may or may not relate to politics. <laughs> they may or may not relate to a coherent question. Uh, but uh, as always, we get a chance to get to know our legislators a little bit better. Are you ready, sir? Sure. What are the odds Assembly Minority Leader Gordon Hintz goes Adam Levine Super Bowl shirtless during floor debate at some point this session? Ooh. Uh, what are the odds? hopefully not shirtless, but I'd say, uh, you know, 50, 50
1: on the the rest of that equation. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll
0: find out if he's got uh, as many tattoos, (laughs) hopefully not shirtless Add that back in. Is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez just going through a phase? Uh, I think what you see is what you get. Okay. Fair enough. What is the one book everyone should read, but no one will? Well, I'm not, hopefully not no one, but how about the Bible? There you go. Uh, Too many people are not, as we know, certainly. I might point out in all seriousness, Jeremiah, I knew you in your mother's womb. Good timing for that quote. Indeed. Do you ever see a time in your life when you're going to say, okay, I'm ready. Bring on the suspenders. It's here. It's arrived. You have given up. My uncle um, and I the same suspenders, by the way. So, just a little history of this.
1: So, and I don't know if these guys, uh, staff has heard this before, but the, the suspenders. So, my grandfather died. I was probably about eight years old. But my biggest recollection of my grandfather was, there's two things. First of all, he ro- rolled his own cigarettes. Uh-huh. And number two no matter what the day of the week was, he always had on suspenders. So it's more of a tribute in my my mind than anything else. Uh, And
0: I appreciate that. I was telling you, my Uncle Ron, who ran a service station for years, put on the suspenders a long time ago. The only thing, uh, he he smoked uh, the cigarettes in a pack. He didn't roll them himself, but he always had a Mason jar filled with Royal Crown Cola on (laughs) ice. That's the two things I remember there. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I thought I always enjoy Five Fast Questions. I think I particularly enjoy the fact that that that. I right. got suspenders on. you got suspenders. We should have gotten got a photo of that. Well, if you to have you on again real soon, there will be plenty of opportunities to talk about these things. But now you have to get on the road and, and be safe at home. Thank you. Thanks for being cooperative with our time today. Yeah, no, absolutely. That is State Representative John Nigren, Republican Marinette and co chair of the powerful Joint Finance Committee, joining us on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. I'm Matt Kittle reporting.